0: What is going on, DC? This is Move the District, hosted by yours truly, Mike Yasin. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a physical therapist, and this podcast is dedicated to highlighting members of the Washington, DC health and fitness community and giving you the correct information with no BS to help you live a life that's active, healthy, and fulfilled. All right, welcome back to Move the District. Episode nine. I can't believe we have already reached nine episodes. Today, I am joined by my buddy, Ralph Navaretti. He is a coach at Formula Running Center in Arlington, Virginia. He is a Lululemon ambassador and an endurance runner. He also is, he wanted me to say this, uh, an overall student of wellness and loves learning about new ways to help people reach their physical, mental, nutritional goals. I, uh, I always add that caveat that you were the person that wanted me to say that just as a uh a little joke but uh it is true ralph thanks for uh coming on today man
1: yeah thanks mike for having me happy to happy to be on
0: yeah yeah i I think this was like a uh, a long time uh in the making here i know as soon as i started the podcast you were like this is awesome man so i knew like i had to have you uh come on come on here uh pretty quickly um i think our our relationship goes back to when to the Lululemon, um, gathering last year. Was that the, was that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we first officially met at the, um, ambassador onboarding about a year ago, but I had actually, um, I don't know how I discovered your page on Instagram, but I started following you and I had a, Oh, it's probably through, uh, through, through elevate, uh, like David or Jamie oh, yeah. posting your stuff and I, and I checked out your page. And so as any runner, I had a bunch of nagging ailments uh, that, I, that I knew I needed to, to do something about. And so I checked out your page and, and started trying out a couple of different exercises. And so um, yeah, started, started stalking you before that. And then I got to officially, officially meet you about a okay. year ago.
0: And now here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Uh, now, tell me a little bit more about your your fitness background because I know you have kind of bounced around to a couple different places, and now you're at um, FRC in Arlington. But where do you uh, where do you get started?
1: So um, I'll start with my my I'll, I'll call it passion for running. But I I got into running in high school. I didn't make my high school basketball team, um, and Amen. so the uh, yeah, just like Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so the the first time I got into running was track, uh, freshman year of high school. So started running shorter distances uh, and throughout high school ran uh, track and cross country. Um, and then college, I kind of took a pause, just kind of recreational running, fitness. And then it wasn't until after I graduated college that I ran my first half marathon. And I wasn't, I, I won't say I was totally hooked then. I ran maybe a couple over the next few years, uh, half marathons, some Spartan races. Those were, yep. those were fun. Um, and then one day I decided to run a marathon after <laughs> doing, uh, there was a Spartan race in, uh, in Virginia at where Wintergreen Resort is. Yep. And, um, it was a, a super Spartan and it was so hilly and it was, Ridiculously long. Uh, I did it with a bunch of friends and coworkers, uh, many of whom really weren't. uh, Well, I don't think I was even fully trained for it, but we were out on the course for I think over six hours. And I think at that point I said, well, if I train for a marathon, I I could probably get about four hours. And so uh, that's when the marathon bug hit me. And so I did a couple marathons. And then actually, coaching fitness,
0: I had a couple um hold, hold on a second i just want to go back to the the casual did a couple of marathons yeah <laughs> no big deal no big deal how many have you how many marathons have you run
1: oh man what, i don't know what the full number is i think it's it's like six or eight something like that
0: that's six or eight that's like yeah. official marathons
1: official marathons yeah there's there's the unofficial ones because
0: also let's talk about what you did earlier in uh the quarantine here
1: yeah so um I I think this quarantine, I I recognized my passion for for running. I decided to run a marathon in my neighborhood, which is pretty small. It's one lap uh, around my neighborhood is about 0.18 miles. So it wasn't even a full lap around the track. But I decided one morning that I actually, it was about a week that I I was going to do one of those virtual half marathons. And then I thought, well, I'll just do it in my neighborhood. And then the next day I thought, well, why don't I just make it a marathon? So it ended up being about 140 plus laps around my neighborhood. Oh my God. Yeah. And um, I was just in the zone. it I wasn't going fast or anything. I think I finished in, in about four and a half uh, hours, something like that. And um, yeah, I just, just kept going and I was listening to podcasts, listening to music, went on Instagram live for a little bit, posted some stories, but yeah, I, I genuinely just enjoyed being out there. Each step was, uh, you know, made me feel good about moving and, and I didn't mind it at all. A lot of people (laughs) said, you know, how, how, uh, or that they would be bored just being out there. Um, and I, I really didn't get bored it was just <laughs> one. You, you took it one lap at a time. One lap was another step towards finishing and, and it just kept going.
0: Did your like neighbors come outside and they're like, Oh, there's, there's Ralph just doing a yeah, lap.
1: I had a, I had one neighbor. He left around the time I started. And then he, uh, when he came back, uh, I, I had just finished and, and he asked if I was running the whole time and I said, yep, did a, did a, did a marathon. And, um, <laughs> my other neighbor said afterwards she was uh she woke up and saw me running out in the window and then each hour that went by I was still out there and she said wow I think he's running a marathon
0: (laughs) sure am (laughs) and then your wife was just like she was just like there goes Ralph again another lap
1: yeah yeah she uh um I think she came out maybe once or twice because it was raining it started to rain that day so um which 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 wasn't bad it wasn't terrible rain but um yeah she she came out and was uh was good crowd support and i i appreciated that
0: yeah i think i think you know it goes to show you especially this year with you know so many of the um races being canceled that like people are starting to recognize their true passion for running or maybe not their true passion for running
1: yeah it's it's really tough. I think I used to tell myself that I wasn't really going to run unless I had a race signed up. So I would notice that if I didn't sign up for a race, I would, wouldn't would really go on long runs or really keep consistently with my running. And then when everything started getting canceled, pushed back, it really allowed me to focus more on uh, being more consistent on the sort of you know I'm not a professional here but sort of off season yeah. um and then like you said you discover that wow I I really enjoy this and this is kind of what I want to build my workouts around to improve me as a runner find out ways to strengthen myself as a runner uh, so that so that I can become better when those races do come around so it it it's it's been a test and it's hasn't always been the easiest thing especially that now that you see more and more races get canceled, especially in the fall. Now, the, some of the majors like New York, Boston, Chicago, even uh Marine Corps marathon got, got canceled recently. So it's been tough for a lot of people. Um, you know, I was really looking forward. I, uh, and maybe it's because of the, uh, the pandemic and, and just being able to <clears throat> be more consistent, but you know, I feel like I'm in the, the best shape of my life right now and so to not be able to test that it's it's tough but um it's also i think a new challenge to to be consistent with it and not lose that level of fitness so when things do come around um that I'll be ready
0: yeah i think it's you know finding the passion in the process you know everyone is really focused on breaking 4 hours in a marathon trying to you know win a race whatever it might be and, you know, it's finding that process, uh, you know, enjoyable versus, you know, just like having that one end, end goal uh, in mind. And, you know, one of my favorite books is, the, the, obstacle is the, uh, the Obstacle is the Way. You know, basically, you know, you focus on the obstacle at hand versus having to, you know, you're thinking about the other side of things. So focusing on just, you know, the process and enjoying that process ultimately you know, I think leads to probably healthier, more long-term successful outcomes. Like, like you said, like, you know, there hasn't been a, there's going to be no races this year and easily you could have just packed it up and just said, eh, whatever. And instead you've, you know, started focusing on just running and, and enjoying the process. And like you just said, best shape of your life. So I think that, you know, is the thing that people are going to hopefully start to see that like, it's not just about races. It's, it's more about, you know, creating these healthier lifestyles.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a struggle sometimes when you, when you actually reach that goal. So maybe you, you, you run your first race, your half marathon or your first 5k or you reach that time and then it's like, well, what's next? You either have this lull period and then you, you find something new. Um, And so to, to keep it more consistent is, is a much, uh, I have found is a much more enjoyable process where you're day in, day out, you're, you're doing something you enjoy and maybe you're helping others along the way with you. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, uh, I found it much more satisfying than, um, well, you know, it feels great to, to run a, a race and and finish there's There's nothing like that race day feeling. Um, from a day-to-day basis to, to be able to enjoy what you're doing um, it's, it's it's such a different feeling now don't get me wrong there's there's days where i uh you know absolutely dread getting out there or, or hopping on the treadmill or, or or lifting something heavy but um at the end of it the, you, uh, i think it's maybe one of those cliche things that that you're saying that uh that you hear fitness instructors say but you you i you really don't regret after you you put in a good effort or, or maybe you just got yourself out of bed to, to do something even even if it, if it wasn't what you thought it was going to be or as as long as you wanted to go um the fact that you just got up it's it's a it's a, a little accomplishment that you should definitely celebrate
0: yeah it's definitely like a cliche i think there's like a cliche like oh you you never regret a workout but honestly i think it's true though i mean you wake up or you know you wake up you feel like shit, you go for a run and you get the blood flowing, you get the endorphins pumping a little bit, and, and you're going to feel better. And also, you know, there's a sense of accomplishment too. You know, like, hey, I just, you know, crushed this class. Or, hey, I just, you know, crushed this run. Or, or hell, it might just be, I just got this run done, not even crushed it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, taking that sense of accomplishment with you on the rest of the day, I mean, I think that that's a, a powerful thing.
1: Yeah, a lot of people, um, yeah, especially runners, like to – uh, and, and i 'm guilty of it too sometimes but but try to be better, but beat themselves up about not hitting a certain pace during a run or or um, you know not not going as as long as they wanted to or as, or as fast as they wanted and it's it 's easy to do that, but every day is different, and most of us are not professional athletes, so this isn 't our our full time job, and we don 't have to beat ourselves up about it there there 's no there's not a huge pressure nobody is gonna fault you or penalize you for not going uh a, uh, a certain pace during your during your three mile run this isn't you know <laughs> nobody's erasing you so right. so get, get that out of your head and once you do that and uh can accept that all right well maybe today wasn't as good and and let's the The key is to figure out maybe why that's happening. Was it not enough sleep? Is it an injury that that's coming on? Is it just stress um, that that's affecting you? Um, so so try to figure that out before you start just just beating yourself up over it.
0: And I think it gives you a chance to like learn more about your body too, where where you're not necessarily just like just plowing straight ahead, but you get to like listen to your body a little bit more and, and check in. And and so you said see how you're sleeping, see how you're eating, all those kind of things, you know, what's your mileage on a weekly basis like? I think it gives you a chance to just learn a little bit more about your body and, and how you're training too, which I think is good.
1: Yeah, definitely asking, when you start to ask why, being in tune with your body is is probably one of the, the best things you can do for yourself and understand. Um, and, and kind of the things we've talked about is, where, is is it hurting somewhere? when does it happen? Is it, uh, how often does it happen? Um, and when you can start to recognize those things, then you can start to, to target, um, you know, is this something that I need to, uh, to get fixed or is this something that, all right, well, I'm going to feel some sort of pain or ailment. and, And if it goes away, then, you know, it's, it's, it's maybe not a big issue, but if it's something that, that you notice, uh, maybe on speed days or, if you hit a certain miles then yeah maybe maybe you need to find out how to get it addressed
0: yeah i think you know especially with uh, the running community there's like this like perception of like i have to suffer i have to like be in pain like i need you know if my foot isn't hurting then i'm not doing this right (laughs) right and and it's just not true you know during all my workshops you know the question, I've, I've said this numerous times in the podcast, is like, do you think it's normal for the resting state of the human body to be in pain? And like, people are kind of like, look at me, like I have three heads sometimes. And the answer is no, you know, like, like, you are not supposed to be in pain, like, like running should not cause you pain. And uh, there are things you can do to prevent that from happening. And people just don't necessarily see that or or know that I guess is the better way. They just, they just are like, Oh, well, I'm a runner. So my knees are going to hurt. And I'm just going to have to deal with it if I want to be a runner. Because I think a lot of times on the medical side, there's been such a clashing of ideologies where you'll go to your, your physician, you go to your ortho and you'll tell them your knees hurt and they'll be like, don't run, don't do this. And then you might even go, and then they'll send you to physical therapy and you'll do your yellow TheraBand clamshell and your glute bridges and your physical therapist will be like, Hey, don't run. It's bad for your niece. And then you're like, well, shit, I want to run. So what do you do? You just ignore all the medical advice and you just keep running thinking like, Hey, I guess this is just the way it's supposed to be. But in reality, not the case it's supposed to be. And, uh, I think, you know, with you, I mean, you, you've seen it, you know, better than anyone over the past year. It's just like, what, like, you know, training for running should be like and you know i think it's time really for like the health the, the medical i shouldn't say health because everyone's under the umbrella of health but like the medical and the fitness communities to come together to encourage people to move we need people to move more and if they're not you know if if we're like how can we be promoting the best version of people if one person is saying you should move more and the other person is saying move less and you know there, there there's a misconnection there between the two communities that i don't think uh really exists right now and and really needs to be i think there's a divide that needs to be bridged um and so i think that's probably why like people are just like just so like oh well i guess i'll just deal with this plantar fasciitis forever and be miserable and then end up you know not running because of it and then it just further leads to more and more you know health issues down the road you know it's like my knee hurts so I'm going to stop running well then stop running and then maybe you you know the diet goes to shit and then you know leads to issues with weight gain diabetes things like that and then all of a sudden you know comorbidities and here we are and the, the age of covid which uh you know essentially feeds off of people who have you know uh comorbidities like that and uh you know what, what could how could we prevent those things from happening in the first place you know so and,
1: yeah I, I love how you use the word preventive there because i think a lot of things that people do are, are reactive when your knee hurts i go to the doctor or you, you go go to the doctor or you run less or you put a pack of ice or my quads hurt so i'm just gonna pound it with Uh, with a hypervolt or a theragun or foam foam roll it out right (laughs) i'm gonna lengthen lengthen my muscle fibers uh, because they're all they're all knotted up right and so um people put the yeah put these these uh reactive solutions to things versus well what can i do to um reduce uh the amount of pain i'm feeling or to prevent it all in the first place yeah and so um that's why after you know coming to come to see you for for all this time and, it, and it's not an overnight solution it, it took time for for us to figure out what was we knew what the problem was but to find yeah. the exercises that that i specifically needed to uh to make that pain go away and um it, it just like everything, it, it takes consistency and it takes time to uh to, to figure things out. And so it's it's I think the way and, and I think medicine is and, and health is moving towards that direction. A couple of years back you, you would see healthcare systems buying up tons of doctor's offices because the goal is to, to get people to to take care of their bodies. On a consistent basis so that you don't end up in the hospital right Right. so if you don't you you hear of all these people doing random exercises or even just running taking a wrong step going down the stairs and they tear their acl or their mcl just just doing something normal and it it may not be a a quick answer but the the matter at hand is to try to understand well, well what could have been done to prevent that is it is it just weak muscles surrounding um, surrounding the knee or or whatever it may be that that could have uh, helped prevent it and so what what can we do to again be more uh, focused on preventive medicine and preventive health versus yeah. uh, reacting to things
0: yeah I, I like um, yeah I like the term proactive you know I think 88 uh, ADA- so, 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 here's the, the, the stat is 88% of all med- medical costs in our country are reactive, 88%. You know, if you hurt your back, you go to the doctor. If you, you know, have high cholesterol, you get, you know, medicine. If you, you know, you have cancer, you need surgery, you know, it, it's all reactive approaches. There's no focus on the proactive approach. And it's great that we keep developing all these reactive techniques because, you know, I doubt, you know, we'll ever be able to get rid of cancer and heart disease and lower back pain. Um, but the idea that we can minimize the risk, that's why I don't, I don't to say preventative. Cause like ultimately I don't think we'll ever, you know, we can prevent things from happening. People are just going to hurt their back no matter what people are going to get heart disease. And then I think there's like a, um, Uh, like a stigma where it's like, oh, like you said you were going to prevent this from happening. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. we can minimize the risk of things happening, but we can't ultimately guarantee like this is going to be prevented from happening. Um, But I think there's like that focus on, um, you know, focusing more on the proactive side of things, I think allows us to, um, you know, like really move the needle forward with healthcare in our country instead of, you know, waiting for someone to get sick or, or, you know, break a bone or whatever it might be. We, how about, how about if we focused on preventing ankle sprain, preventing lower back pain, um, preventing heart disease or, or now you got me saying prevent. Yeah. Re- reduce, the, <laughs> reduce
1: the risk. Guy. Look, reduce
0: look the risk of, there we go. Reduce the risk <laughs> of cancer and heart disease and lower back pain. And, you know, all those things, you know, it's a, it's a whole spectrum of musculoskeletal diseases as well as heart disease, as well as, you know, everything else. So how do we minimize the the risk and and of those kind of things? And I think the answer is by being you know proactive with our health. I think that's ultimately where it comes down to. And it you know it's kind of one of those things where how do we get people to see the light? I don't really know to be honest with you. Um, you know it's because like you're investing in your long term health, and I don't think there is a one broad like it it you know approach for everybody. But how do you get everyone to uh, uh, you know take this approach I guess is the, is the real question
1: yeah I, I think it's it, it's a ton of different things things like this you know doing podcasts where giving people an opportunity to listen perspectives from, from different types of people um, is, is definitely good um, I I like to use the analogy of we pay well a lot of people pay a lot of money to have things like internet, uh, cell phone bills, cable uh, subscriptions, to things that they probably don't use for a long time. But, you know, when you think of going to see um, like a specialist or a doctor or go to physical therapy on a, on a consistent basis, sometimes people's eyebrows go up and say, well, why would I, why would I spend money on that? right? But if you think about all the non-productive things you you spend money on, why not invest in your health? Um, it's, it's something, especially for people in the, that enjoy fitness. You don't have to be a fitness instructor. You, You could just be someone who enjoys going to your fitness classes three, four times a week. Um, so why don't you invest in something that will help you continue to do those things or, or, um, allow you to perform better you, you see people and even in the classes that i coach sometimes you, you have people who have tons of injuries um and they attribute it to well you know i think it's the shoes i'm wearing you know let me just buy a new pair of shoes It's never that it's never that. yeah yeah it's never right and it's uh well you know let me just let me buy let me roll my foot out with a lacrosse ball for for uh, an hour after my long runs i think that's you know i just need to do more of that
0: I know that's your favorite pet peeve, right there. Yes.
1: Well, that used. To, uh, hey, I, that used to be me, right? I had the, <laughs> the plantar fasciitis issue, and then I would, I would stand on a lacrosse ball and 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 feel that pain of like, oh, this must be good for me. I'm, I'm rolling out the tension in my in
0: my <laughs> oh god
1: in my foot. Yeah, I'm sure that's that's your favorite too. Turning but, turning
0: your plantar fascia just one big droopy pancake. That's exactly what's happening.
1: Yeah, it's like a. a, a by the foot by, by the end of it, so um,
0: yeah, it's, so uh, great. yeah,
1: and and so you, you for, can... for the listeners at
0: home, that is not actually what's happening when you when you roll your foot out. the The answer is you're actually doing nothing. That is that is the, uh, the short, and simple answer. Whenever you are rolling your foot out with a lacrosse ball at home or foam rolling, the answer is nothing is really happening. You oh. need uh, hundreds of newtons of pressure to. Uh, transform your fascia, and that's actually a good thing because yeah, imagine if a lacrosse ball, you know, was able to actually lengthen your fascia or or distort your fascia in any kind of way, that would be a bad thing, because then you'd be all stretched out and you would be flopping around. Uh, I think back to that. Do you remember the uh, the commercial from like it's probably like ten maybe fifteen years ago? It's an anti-drug commercial, and I just saw it like on Twitter the other day where it was like this is you if you do drugs and she was just like a deflated like person on the couch. Do you remember that commercial? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and that's, that's pretty much what, what like in theory people like say foam rolling does because they're yeah. like, Oh, like I'm stretching out my fascia. Guess what? Your fascia does not stretch and, or it requires a ton of pressure for it to actually stretch. And that's a good thing because if it did stretch, you would look like that girl in the drug commercial. And, uh, <laughs> yeah so so sorry i had to i had to just give a little caveat yeah, give, there to the people
1: i, I, I gotta home. give give you an opportunity to uh uh my, my favorite ones the uh the it band
0: oh yeah 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 so I, I did a i did a workshop at um a virtual workshop for for elevate interval fitness last week and i asked people to, to send me questions and someone had sent me a thing about the it band and I was just like licking my lips. I was like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> and uh, and so I, I, you know, talked about it and you know gave my whole uh, spiel about it. And afterwards, uh, the guy sent me an email. and like, "Thanks for uh, breaking pretty much every belief I ever had about uh, foam rolling in the IT band." And I was like, "You are more than welcome." Now spread now spread my word. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, the idea with the IT band for listeners at home is that the IT band is just basically connective tissue. It's not a muscle. It's just a whole big band of connective tissue, and it is super strong. So when I was in PT school and we were doing um, the dissections of the cadavers, we were able to literally pick up the body by the IT band, and it did not break. So do you really think your five minutes of foam rolling is going to do shit to that? The answer is no. The answer is a hard no. So, we wanna focus on structures above and below. So we wanna look at your glutes, we wanna look at your hips, we wanna look at, um, you know, quad strength, things like that, because the IT band itself is never the issue, it might be the site of pain, but it's never gonna be the source of the pain. So, that's my runner's IT band foam roll. Midnight! (laughs)
1: <laughs> we need to give you a a, a little plug or a, a soundbite for that <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah i need like a i need like a segment like a, i think yeah. that's gonna become like a recurring segment where it's yeah. gonna be like running myths 101
1: yeah
0: um but but yeah that
1: that's exactly it the um you know you you have this pain and, and you think uh, you hear of all of these uh these remedies these home remedies like all right well walk run less or wear these specific shoes and, and the pain will go away um, but really investing your time and money with uh, a, a, well you know it's it's hard sometimes right you you sometimes people will will go seek help they they go see like a chiropractor or something right. and then maybe it may not be the right person with the right knowledge um, but but you know, don't, don't, don't let one impression of some professional be the blanket statement for everybody in the industry. You hear of people, um, you, you alluded to it, but the the whole notion of physical therapy, right? Your doctor tells you to do some rests, go see a physical therapist, and maybe they'll make you do some, a, a couple small exercises and, and then send you on your way. And it's like, well, this seems dumb. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep up with these. These don't seem useful. Like, and so then people have this impression of, all right, well, this is what physical therapy is. And so I already know what, you know, if, if I, if, if someone were to recommend me a physical therapist, this is just the impression I have of, of them, oh, or yeah. a chiropractor, or, or this is what the doctor is already going to tell me. They're just going to tell me, you know, you need surgery kind of thing. So it's, you know, just keeping an open mind is, is really important, um, especially when you seek health from, from quote unquote ex experts Uh, yeah everybody's got their level of of knowledge and and you sometimes need that second or third opinion on things or or a a strategy that you may find will be more beneficial for you because some things that work for some people don't always work for others and so i've been more and more uh cognizant about when someone asks me oh yeah i have this pain in my hip Mm -hmm. uh or you know oh, I saw you were doing exercises for your foot, for your plantar fasciitis. Um, what should I do? And I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in this. So, and, and I've seen it firsthand that what some exercises that work for some people may not work for me. And so you really need to work with someone who, who knows what they're talking about.
0: I, I just saw a, a meme literally this morning about that. Where you know the 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 Meryl Streep meme where she's got like her hands over her mouth and she's like yelling? Yeah, yeah. It? It said, like, yeah. The, uh, so it was like it was like something. on one side it's like someone asking like, "What should I do for blank injury?" And then it's like the Meryl Streep meme, and it's like, "It depends," <laughs> because <laughs> that's literally what I find myself telling people over and over and over again. The people will just stop by the office because I'm right next to this CrossFit, or I'll be at a workshop or, you know, I'll get all these DMS, like, what should I do for my plantar fasciitis or my shoulder tendonitis or whatever? And I'm like, well, honestly, it depends. Like, you know, there are certain things that like, you know, we need to do for, or, or, you know, for every type of, you know, injury, but it also depends on the person how they react to certain things, you know, not all lower back pains are the same, not all Achilles tendinitis are the same. So, you know, it's, it comes down to like getting yourself evaluated. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, comes back to investing in yourself, you know, um, invest in yourself because at the end of the day, you only get one body, you know, you only get one body and you wouldn't put the cheapest pair of tires on your car. Right.
1: So why would you choose the
0: cheapest option for your own health? Right.
1: So, And, and, and another good point on that is, is there's so much free information out there. Right. and, and, you know, you you post content as well, too, of, you know, here are some things you can try. And I think people try a ton of different things. And so I feel like there's this expectation of, well, if you're already posting content, you know, just give me the information for free. And sometimes I, I feel people lack the respect of the amount of time and effort people put into learning their craft. And so it's uh you know, if you want that deeper knowledge, yeah, you're, you're going to have to invest a little bit more uh, into that, that personalized um, information. And so I, I think it's, it's important for as, as a consumer to realize that, Hey, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't, isn't always going to be free. And, but if you frame it as I'm investing in my health so I can do the things I want to do, uh, either pain-free or reducing the risk of me injuring myself, then why not invest in it? And so yep. that's, I think, a, a key thing, a mindset that that needs to shift for, for people to start looking to, um, to, to invest in themselves that way.
0: And doing these things long-term, too. I think that's a big part of it now, especially, I mean, we're both, you know, getting older. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the body, you know, it doesn't necessarily work as well as it did when we were 18 and that's fine um but I think you know you want to you want to keep running I want to stay active too like you know how do we you know keep doing that and that comes down to ultimately investing in your health Because you know one day you want to be, be able to you know pick your pick your kid up or or you know be able to go for a run or have a cat with your kid and it's like well I want to make sure that I'm in shape for that and and things like that and and you know so that's where it comes down to like being able to stay active long term um you know because it's one thing to like to like the the life expectancy in this country keeps going up but like does that what's the quality of life like for the for that older population and i think that's the issue is like it's great that i can live to be 80 years old or 90 years old but what's my quality of life going to be like when i get to that when i get to that point am i going to be the guy who you know needs help and can't um you know, can't, can't go more than like five minutes walking or am I going to be out in the golf course, you know, four days a week or whatever golfing when I'm 90 years old? That's what I want. You know, I want to be active when I'm 90. I don't want to be, you know, needing help. There's, there's one guy I work with who, you know, he came to me with his, his only goal was he wanted to be able to walk around Disney World with his, with his, uh, his family, with his, his uh, granddaughter. And so I said, all right, well, let's, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's shoot for that goal. And, and, you know, sure enough, you know, we worked on getting stronger and it wasn't that he had back pain or knee pain, it just wasn't strong. Wasn't in, uh, you know, I shouldn't say wasn't strong, but he wasn't, he wasn't in shape to be able to to do that. And so that was what our goal was. So, you know, it all comes down to like, what do you want your quality of life to be? So yeah, I think, um, the long uh, thing definitely has like some value. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. Let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about um, you know your career now in the the fitness biz. Um, you're, I think, I think you're the first guest here who isn't a full time fitness instructor. Um, oh,
1: okay.
0: Yeah. I think I think everyone I've had has been a full time fitness person in some uh, in some capacity, whether they're owner or trainer or coach. So what what made you jump into coaching? I mean, you have a full so. What is your full-time job?
1: Yeah, so uh, uh, Monday through Friday uh, during the day, I am a – it's sometimes late at night. um, I'm a healthcare (laughs) IT consultant, so I've been at my current job for um, about a little over two years. um, But I've been in healthcare overall, working in different hospitals in the area, um, from anything from fixing medical equipment uh, to – Looking at uh, quality data as a data analyst for a little bit, and then um, patient experience—that was a a big shift. So, um, uh, to kind of step back a little bit, my my undergrad degree was uh, in engineering. So, kind of using the skills now. Uh, You could look at it as an analytical mindset uh, that that I'm using. But so yeah, been in been in the healthcare industry, and I really like it a lot. just the satisfaction of um in in, so i don't work directly in hospitals right now but we work with different healthcare organizations but really finding a way to improve the experience for patients and families because whether you wanted it or not you have either been directly affected or or have directly seen somebody or know somebody who's been in the hospital whether they're an immediate family member or a friend or distant relative Um, and we all know what that experience is like. There's, there's tons of opportunities, steps along the way that, that could be better. And while yeah. we can't solve every problem, um, what, what are some specific things we can do to improve that experience? And so the, the, the work I do is, is focused on the technology aspect. So helping organizations figure out all right if, we, if we're getting a new electronic medical record what's that experience going to be like for the clinicians, nurses, doctors, um, and then on the patient side as well. So, so helping um, healthcare systems, either select the right technology or improve what they already have. So, so that's my day job. Um, (laughs) uh, I got into fitness coaching. Um, I had a a few, uh, two, two classmates in grad school uh, who were already coaching at solid core Mm-hmm. And so this was back in 2015 uh, that that I first discovered Solid Core. They opened a studio out near where I live and took classes for a couple months, and I really enjoyed it. That was my first taste into into boutique fitness. I, I tried Solid Core and um, Zengo Cycle in the area, and so those were it, it was just such a different experience than taking a group fitness class at um, so I used to go to Export Fitness uh, near my house here. And so just just the whole different aspect of wow, someone's uh, you you really get this deeper connection than this big class of like you know, I used to take and and I think they're great classes, but it's it's just difficult sometimes if you think of like the, the uh like Les Mills, the the body pump classes, yeah. where it's just like a ton of people in the room and uh, after going consistently you think, you know, I d I wanna lift heavier weights and so it it can get pretty dangerous. And and I think that's where my wife and I, we started developing these, these kind of like weird injuries, like shoulder pain or, or whatever it may have been or knee pain. And um, when we switch gears to like a a solid core or uh, um, like Sango cycle, it's a little bit more of an intimate experience. And um, I had quit the gym overall after that. And so I, something about it was just like wow i really love this this it, it's not exactly one-on-one personal training but, right. but you get to be a little bit more connected to people and and the community around it was was really good you got to know mm-hmm. the coaches other clients and so they had <clears throat> they had asked me if if uh at, at solid core if i was interested in becoming an instructor and so after a couple months i um decided yeah let's let's do this so it wasn't the easiest thing i was i was working a full-time job in dc and then going to grad school twice a twice a week at night um for for classes and then i picked up coaching and and i was coaching probably like three three sometimes four days a week and so my schedule was just like jam-packed but it, it was it was really rewarding and a lot of fun i I looked at it as not another thing to um, like as another job, but as, as something fun that I was doing in it. And I still look at it that way. Yeah, uh, it's, it's sometimes tough when you gotta wake up at four o'clock in the morning to, to go teach a 5am or a 6am class. Um, but, but still when you, when you get in there and you see people pushing themselves and, and working, then that's I think one of the most rewarding
0: things. I think it comes down to back to, you know, the passion, you know, it's something you, you really enjoy, you know, you're not doing it to collect another paycheck. It's more of, Hey, like this is something I really enjoy and enjoy being a part of, you know, being part of that community. I think that that's the real, um, the real big thing here.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny uh, when, you, when you talk about the not, not here to collect paycheck. I think part, part of my motivation initially was to to get free classes too, as a, as a coach for pretty much anywhere you, you coach, you, you get, classes and then now there's there's all these things where other studios let other fitness coaches come come in for free as well too but um, it, it definitely morphed beyond that where you know as as a as a as a coach it's, it's such a different experience than being a client and so while yeah I get free classes and get to take with people the, the main goal is, is to be a coach to be an instructor and, right. and really really help people in in um, in in ways that are productive
0: move the district is sponsored by big league performance and rehab at big league performance and rehab we help active adults stay that way pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life we do this by working on four different areas that's movement nutrition stress management and sleep when we optimize these four areas you feel better you move better and you live better head to BigLeaguePerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life Have you ever thought about going into like the full-time fitness direction (laughs) or or is that kind of like not really for you?
1: Yeah. So I definitely, definitely thought about it. It's, it's, it's it's a rewarding experience and I, and I love it a lot. It's, it's about making it work. So there's a book I read called uh, when to jump by Mike Lewis. And basically it's, it's a collection of stories of people who, have pretty much changed industry. So the, the author of it, he was, I think uh, a, a, a accountant or a, a, a big finance guy for Goldman Sachs, but he had always had this dream of becoming a a squash player overseas, a professional squash squash player. And so he he talks a, a little bit about his journey and, and how he made that decision and, and what it took. Um, and, and for me, one of the biggest takeaways from that book was, um, you know, there's, there's never going to be a right time for things, but yeah. timing also does play a component. What stage are you in life uh, and will it allow you to do that? So for us, um, you know, I went to, I went to grad school. My wife and I, we both went to grad school. Um, we bought a house a couple of years ago. And so it's important to think about what are the opportunities you have available to you now, or that you can set yourself up for so that you can sustain the lifestyle you've chosen and continue to sustain that, uh, moving forward. So, right. You know, paying a mortgage and paying (laughs) paying grad school bills are not, uh, are not, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be there for a couple of years. So finding sustainable ways to, to, um, to find income to support that is, is key. And so coaching classes isn't going to cover that. Um, and so, what are what are the opportunities to, to find either a sustainable a, a position that will support that, um, or or what are other things I can do? So I've recently um, started to get into nutrition coaching. Um, so nice um, picked up a, a certification from this company called Precision Nutrition, and it's it's a pretty pretty popular. There, I, I think in in as far as nutrition on on par with like NASM. Yeah. um for their food nutrition certification so it's it's things like that um and and really trying to now perfect that craft and also gain experience um to to maybe have that as another source of income but you know in this stage in life again we, we made specific choices and we gotta we gotta keep that going we gotta pay the bills so yeah um, I, I, I think it. i'm i'm happy where i'm at right now because i'm able to keep up with fitness, um, and still in, enjoy that. So keep a balance of, right. I got my day job, can coach classes, can find time for myself for running as well too. Um, and just, just keep up with that lifestyle. So it's, it's all about what you want. And I think for me, I'm, yeah, I'm sure, uh, I think down the road it'd, it'd be great to, to jump full time into fitness. And for some people that means, you know, you, you got to take that jump. You got you got to do it. Right, um, but for me, I'm I'm still searching for what's that what's that thing that I want to jump into, um, because I, I coaching classes is fun, but to do you know to coach twenty classes a week just to sustain is is probably not going to be be fun after a while, and uh, so it's it's still I'm I'm in the industry, I'm meeting new people, learning about new things every day, and so um, just just keeping soaking in as much knowledge as I can and and learning about different things so that, you know, I can narrow things down and find how to how to make it a sustainable lifestyle. But for now, just, just doing what I'm doing.
0: What, uh, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to get into coaching? You know, someone who's been taking classes at their favorite, you know, gym and, and what would, uh, what would go, what would go into that process of jumping from being a participant to then being a coach? And, you know, maybe it is like a side hustle. Um, versus you know not necessarily full-time
1: yeah so if you genuinely enjoy being in and i i try to move away from the word motivator for people because uh you know motivation that's that's a that's another lengthy discussion i think but Mm -hmm. but but if you want to be there to help guide people through a workout effectively and and be someone to to push people um start out by by just asking your coaches, you know, how can I get involved? Whether it's, you know, being around the studio more, um, finding out what it's like to be a coach. What, what does it take? What what kind of personality you need to have? What what kind of things you need to do to become a better instructor? Uh, but at some point, you just uh, you just got to take that that leap and say, all right, well, I'm going to invest time and money into becoming an instructor uh, or coach and, and, and perfecting that craft. So you, you have to look beyond, uh, that paycheck and say, all right, well, I'm just going to do this for the money and, 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 extra side, uh, you know, disposable income or, or to provide for, uh, my, my main source of income, you, you got to invest that time because you, you won't be good right away. Right. Everybody has a learning curve. You know, I won't say you suck. Some people are like really great when they, when they, when they come out of the gate, but if you've never done it before, uh, just just don't be afraid to to take that leap um but also invest i think now it's getting to a point where there's a lot of people who who have been in the industry and and so now when when people look for coaches they look for people with some sort of experience so now it's getting a little it's, it's that whole dilemma of well uh when you think of when you graduate high school or college, it's like, Hey, I've got, I've I've got educational experience. Hire me, pay me. Right. But uh, you know, it's like, well, you don't have any experience. Like, well, how am I supposed to get experience? So, um, but, but thankfully there's a lot of people who are in the industry. So connect with someone who, you know, is a coach or, or is already in the industry and find out ways that, you know, maybe they'll let you, um, you know, practice something with them, you know, at a, at another time and, give you give you certain tips to to be able to pass maybe the um audition or the or the initial training so yeah reach out to somebody and and, and find out what it is um uh, it comes back the, to
0: uh, investing in yourself again
1: <laughs> yeah exactly right investing that time and 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 money to to gain that knowledge and if some people feel the need to to go that extra education route there's tons of uh certifications obviously it's it's not the end-all be-all just because you you have this uh certification as a you know tons of people have a certified personal trainer uh certification from like ace or nasm and uh that doesn't always mean you're you know what you're doing Right. right you you could you could read about how muscle fibers work and and how your brain connects to everything but it practicing it is is totally different so just just because you go get something certification doesn't always mean that that's your 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 ticket to, to getting in but it's it, it certainly is it's a way to, to also get in so those are definitely worth exploring I
0: think do you have a certification that you think would be particularly beneficial to people like in mind um,
1: so like- I, I've got the, the, the nutrition one. So as far as nutrition coaching, I, I felt I needed more of that technical knowledge about foods and, and how the body works. So that, that was definitely helpful. So precision nutrition, I thought was great. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, I guess technically I'm studying for the, uh, the uh, national, what is it? Association of sports medicine, NASM, mm-hmm. their certified personal trainer. I think that's a good entry or a, a basic one to have but mm-hmm. a lot of places that you coach at don't require you to have one
0: yeah um, that's actually a, a, a law in DC
1: <laughs> oh you, you are required to have No, one you're, not.
0: You're, you're not oh, required. you're not okay. they they tried to pass that two years ago maybe three years ago where there was a, a law that there, there were there were was a, pr- a proposed rule here in DC where you needed a um, certification and CrossFit actually was the big conglomerate that fought back against it because their argument was who's to say which uh, certification was the best. And, right. and so, you know, technically you are not required to have a, a certification, which is a good thing and a bad thing, I think um, sure. You know, I, I like the, I think, I think people, you know, should have some sort of knowledge of what they're doing. You know, if, you're, if people are, you know, being paid to, you know, train people, they should know, you know, not even talking about, like, you know, getting results, but also, like, making sure people are are healthy or, or like, safe. You know, because our number one rule in the fitness community is, I mean, do no harm, you know. That should be our number one rule is, is do no harm. So, you know, want to make sure that, you know, you're not just throwing, you know, these crazy, crazy exercises that someone who's not ready to, to handle it because you don't have a background in, in training. You know, I think, um, you know, you just give them, Oh, do a hundred burpees and a hundred push-ups and a hundred jumping jacks and go run a mile. And someone who hasn't worked out in 10 years, it's like, well, maybe we should start a little bit smaller because, you know, the, like I said, the last thing you want to do is if give someone an overuse injury or God forbid, uh, you know, someone who might have a, a heart condition, you know, you don't want to, um, you know, significantly injure someone versus you know having someone who might have a little bit more knowledge and experience who can uh, provide a a more uh, accessible onboarding to exercise
1: yeah and and it definitely takes time so being a client at or uh, a customer at whatever place you're trying to. So if you're trying to be a CrossFit coach, or if you want to be a running coach, you, you need some sort of experience as that athlete to be able to, to coach, right? If you, if you're telling somebody to do right those hundred burpees, a hundred jumping jacks, then then run a mile. You, you got to know what that feels like to some extent, because if, right, you just, Oh, you know, let me make the hardest workout possible. So they sweat and then they, they feel sore afterwards and then they'll love me for it. Right. But if you're, you're, harming them and you're causing them to uh do things that they shouldn't it's 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 not going to be good they're you know they they may love the workout but then they're, they're going to suffer for it and, and 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 that's not what we want to have for people so it, it it takes time to understand what that feels like as someone doing it and then also on the other end being able to program something Uh, for, for all levels of people, because when you get into a class, it's, it's, it's one of the challenges is catering to to many levels of of fitness. And so that's, that's where it gets, uh, it gets difficult, because you've got people who have um, are you know, triathletes, or people who maybe just um, occasionally work out maybe once or twice a week, and then you get your people who have that walk in and say, well, I haven't really worked out in three years or I'm coming off a knee injury and, you know, I, I don't know how to deal with that. And so it, it, it takes knowledge, uh, like you said, to, to understand what's, what are some exercises that a- affect, uh, you know, that specific joint or, um, you know, who, who can you refer this person to 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 deal with certain things. So, so being aware of what's within your limits, um, is, is really key as well.
0: Yeah, I think, I think, uh, that definitely makes sense. It, it's, it's tough in a, in a class situation to be able to, um, be able to cater to everybody. I think that's always the challenging thing is how do you cater to, to everybody? Because you said there are just so many different walks of life coming in the, you know, you have the person who's, you know, in super shape person who's never exercised before in their life. You got someone coming off an injury. You got someone who's super stressed from their work day. I mean, you got all sorts of different people coming from walks of life here. And I think, you know, the class environment is great to bring all those people together. uh, But all at the same time though, how do you cater towards that? I think that's the, the issue and and cater towards it, you know, both in a performance aspect, but also in a safety aspect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. and, And FRC, I love asking people, especially if I've never met them before, you know, what is, you know, what do you typically do for exercises? Do you have any injuries before we get started? So that I'm aware if I see you struggling with depth in the squat, I'm not just saying like, hey, get lower because you're not going low. Is there some sort of injury that's preventing you from from going low or is it – um some some sort of pain that you're starting to feel because we're we're doing a certain exercise. So it's it's good to know people's level of fitness um, b- before starting. And and I try to make that um, uh, a point to do. Uh, obviously, you can't do it with everybody given the time constraint. But as you start to see people more consistently, you can you can start to ask that question to to some of the people you haven't seen before. So really really important as an instructor as a coach to, to get to know the people you're working with
0: yeah i think it's i think that's a good point of taking some time before class to like just shoot the shit with some of your you know members and just get to know them a little bit not just like mean, you know, one on like an injury basis like that where you're like hey like what's like how you feel like, like any injuries things like that but also just to know like what they're going through you know mm-hmm. i think people appreciate like oh like you had a shitty day at work today or you know someone might be like oh i didn't sleep well last night so you know like all right they had a a lousy night's sleep so you know if they're if they are you know going a little bit slower in the workout you don't you don't have to necessarily push them as hard or you might want to give them a, a chance to uh, recover or you know something like that so i think it, i think that's like a i think that's a really good tip for a lot of fitness coaches out there instead of just kind of like walking around or we're kind of just sitting in the background waiting for, you know, the the show to start sort of speak, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking some time to like mix it up with the uh, the members. I think that's like a great way to like, just to like know what they're going through in terms of injuries, personal stuff. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it, it can actually be a little awkward or you may not feel it, especially early in the morning if it's, six you know five thirty in the morning and you know you got to make small talk it's like ah oh, i'm just i just want to get to coaching and, and get to that but no you, you gotta you gotta push yourself out uh beyond that and, and really connect with people because it's uh you know people people are paying to be here and so give give them the full experience that they deserve to, uh, to make it worthwhile and to get them to come keep coming back to your class because obviously you want your class to fill uh because that's it, it's more rewarding when there's uh, more people than instead of just, you know, one or two people in class. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But it's fun when you get to see a wide range of people um, push through the workout and, and, and try to help them reach what they want to do.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, you are, as, as a coach, you're the center of the community. You know, like, whether you like it or not, it's, you are the person who is responsible for, you know, building that community. I kind of go back to like Charles Barkley with, I am not a role model and, and you know, you are, you are a role model actually. And, um, you know, so, so taking the time to to talk with people, you know, before and after class, because it's also, you know, important to like get feedback. I'm like, what do you think? how do you feel? Um, you know, after class as well. And that kind of goes into like that, you know, a little bit more of a personal approach that people don't necessarily get all the time in a group fitness class. You know, some, some gyms, you know, they pack people in there pre-COVID, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a class and, and you're just another person, you know, running the treadmill or, or lifting weights, whatever, and you don't get that chance. So like the instructor taking some time before and after class to talk to people, I think is really important. Yeah. And, and I
1: think the the power of social media has, has um, allowed people to expand that where yeah, I may not have time to talk to everybody afterwards, but I can tag you in a post. I can, uh, you know, send you a message and, and tell you what a great job you did or ask you how you felt about the class. And, and that's, that's really a good piece of it. So connecting with people in all different ways is, is really a, a key as, as being part of a, a coach or an instructor.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Do you feel like people will send you DMs like after a class be like, Oh man, that workout really kicked my ass today. Or, or you know, that this was a little bit tough. Do you, do you get feedback like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. People, um, yeah. Obviously, people are always thankful for the ass kicking uh, that they get. It's like, oh yeah, wow, that was like one of the hardest things I've done. Uh, but I also take that with a grain of salt too, and, and I try to realize like mm, maybe that was a little bit too much. Right. Like if if I gave, it, it helps me understand as a as a coach what I'm. Programming and how that's um, how that's how that's making people feel. So, you know, if I realize, uh, you know, the other day, maybe I might have put too many sort of cardio type of plyometric exercises, so like burpees and and switch lunges and, and things like that. You know, is is uh, yes, it was it was hard and people are gassed and winded, but is was that is that really the intention? And so, really making sure that. Um, when I get that feedback from people or, you know, they may tag you in a, their, their, their sweat drenched, uh, right. T-shirt afterwards. Um, it's great, but you know, it, it's also good and it's helpful to understand what the workout did for some people versus, versus others. So
0: yeah, um, I, I appreciate that feedback. I think, um, one thing that we need to say here is, uh, sweat and, uh, feeling like you're out of breath. After a uh, a workout, feeling like you're destroyed at the end of a workout is not the sign of a good workout. (laughs) It can be a byproduct of a good workout, but I think too many people use those barometers as the measure of a good workout. And I'm guilty of it too. Like you walk out of a a class or something like that, and you're sweating and you're breathing heavy, or you feel like you're destroyed. And like, wow, that was a really good workout. I'm I'm just guilty of it. But realistically, you can have those workouts. Where you don't sweat or you don't feel destroyed um and, and and still be getting a good workout i think there's this misconception you know that they need to just be just devastated at the end of the workout and it's just not the truth because ultimately your body just can't handle you know things like that over and over and over and over again uh instead you know there there needs to be those workouts where you know you you don't sweat you know you don't feel destroyed and, and those are just as of much value, I think, as those same workouts that do, you know, hit that like higher intensity level.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I feel bad for, you know, I, I think I I experienced it on both ends too, where a coach will say like, Oh, that class was, you know, made me sweat. I'm, you know, one of the hardest things I've done kind of thing. And then you have the other spectrum where people say, Oh, I didn't really sweat that much in that class. It was okay. It's like, well, was it okay? Or was it, just not what you did not meet your sweat expectations, like I could crank up the temperature in here and make you sweat <laughs> and make you feel you know give you that feeling, but you know that that's just that's cosmetic thing and and so if if I made you do squats uh and you felt to that point of failure and you you know, you don't have to be sore the day after, right. um, but, but you're, you're getting your body moving and, and strengthening, uh, your body, then yeah, it, it's effective. So, so like you said, I, I'm guilty of that too. And so I'm trying to, uh, another shift in the, in the mindset of, of members and, and clients is, is to to realize that not every workout is, is going to make you sweat and, and kind of realize that working with you in that where, I'm so trained to um, after every set to give yourself like 30 seconds and then hop right back into it and and, and keep plowing away. It's like give yourself some time to uh, recover yeah. uh, and to be able to maximize the strength uh, and effort you're putting into if you're having a heavy lifting day or lift, trying to lift heavier weights. Give yourself that time to rest versus all right, crank it out. Now you did 10 sets of – chest press now go into you know whatever 10 burpees and so you know you got to give yourself time to to recover
0: yeah the workout is i see that with a lot of like the fitness athletes i work with where they're so conditioned to like as soon as they put the barbell down or the dumbbell down they're like all right what's next what's next and (laughs) it's teaching people because i think a lot of fitness athletes lack this general base of strength that ultimately will you know keep them healthy but also improve their performance so you know it's having that conversation with with these type of athletes where if you put the, the weight down and you feel like you're ready to immediately jump into another exercise and we probably didn't work out at the right intensity you know um because for the things that we do here you know in terms of you know deadlifts you know and 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 squats and, and heavier weight items you know where we're able to actually develop that absolute strength, you know, we want to give your body a chance to recover in between sets so that you can, you know, build up your energy stores so that you know for the next set, you're able to give it your all as well. So, you know, if we you know did a deadlift at you know 225 pounds and you're like, all right, what's next? I'm like, all right, well, now I know that like your intensity level is probably at that point where um, you know we can we can increase the weight or increase the intensity in some fashion um or maybe not and just, you need to breathe <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um i had that talk with uh, with with mona garcia all the time I'm just like hey like you just did great Give yourself a chance to breathe and she's like up bouncing ready to like throw punches mm-hmm. and i'm like just breathe for a second and uh you know i think I, a lot of like the fitness athletes you know are like just like ready and rearing to go which is awesome um and i, I love you know obviously they're intensity and their willingness to, to exercise and work out and do the things. But it's like, actually we need to just give your body a chance to breathe. And, uh, and so that's like the big thing, I think with, you know, people in that fitness industry where it's like, we want to sweat, we want to feel destroyed. We want to feel sore the next day. That's like the big thing. It's like, Oh, gotta be sore the next day. If I'm not sore the next day. Then it wasn't a good workout. Yeah. Like you should be sore, you know, like after you start like a new workout program, like the day after you start a new workout program, uh, that's pretty much it. Like I would expect you to be sore. Like if we like deadlifted for the first time in like months, I would expect you to be sore the next day. Next time we deadlift, maybe a little bit of soreness, you know, by like that third or fourth time of us deadlifting. If you're still sore, then like, you know, there's maybe a bigger underlying issue there. Why aren't you recovering? Why are these... Why is this soreness still coming? Why are those little micro traumas still happening in your muscles? You know, and that might be a nutrition or a sleep issue. So we want to look at you know how, you know how what you're doing outside of the gym because you shouldn't be sore after every workout. And you know it could be a personal thing, it could be a coach, you know, a exercise prescription thing, but that should not you know be a barometer of like, hey, I'm sore. That's a good workout. You know, it should be that was a good workout. I happen to be sore because it was my first time doing it, um, yeah. you know, cause like if you go to a class, you know, three times a week, like, you know, maybe that first week you're sore by like the second, third weeks, if you go into that same class, you shouldn't be feeling that same soreness. Yeah.
1: Or you get people that, uh, you know, go to your class and they say, well, I stopped feeling sore after going to so-and-so's class. So now oh, let me try somebody else. And mm-hmm. you know, they might have a little bit of different programming. And so then you're, yeah, you you might feel sore uh, because of that. So it's, it's, it's important to keep that mindset. Like, yeah, you don't have to be sore.
0: <laughs> What's your top fitness industry pet peeve? Ooh. <laughs> oh man. That's, I think this is going to be a new segment. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a new one. Pet peeve. It um, could be on both sides. It could be something like that. People who work in the biz do. It could be something that people who take classes do. Like, what's your biggest pet peeve?
1: Yeah, um, I, I hate to be repetitive here, but it really is that that soreness, sweat, or like I didn't do enough. This this, yeah, I, I didn't do enough in class. That that instructor didn't give me enough. To uh, make it a good workout, and so mm-hmm. I think when people get fixated on that, that's when it it really and and maybe I'm taking this because it, it's it's uh, I think I probably experienced it 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 personally is just that you know it's it, it's it's not the coach that's bad; it's just a different style and right. maybe what what they're doing, yeah, may not make you sweat as much as. Uh, another class or coach but doesn't mean it's not effective and so
0: maybe they just turned the ac down a little bit i don't, yeah, I don't know that, i don't know maybe they just turned the ac on so you didn't sweat as much exactly <laughs> right
1: or it's it's not like blistering heat outside and so right um yeah i i, re- I really think that is one of my biggest pet peeves there, there's a lot of little things of um you know just when you get an a, a class where it you know, on the instructor side, where the instructor is not as um, connected to the client. So, one of the biggest things I learned at Solid Core and uh, pretty much at FRC2 and, and when I spent some time coaching at Elevate is just connecting with people and really getting to know their names. So, one of the pet peeves as a client, if I take a class and the coach doesn't take the effort to really know anybody's name, ah. that's, that's a, a, a pet peeve of mine because. Uh, especially when you get to the smaller environments, it's it's not that hard to 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 get to know people. Um, and so when they don't take that effort, it it just kind of like, um, no, come on. It, it, people are here. They want they want to be connected. They want to right. get to know you. They want to learn from you. Uh, and and they want to they want to feel that experience. They want to be noticed, right? People people yeah. want to people want to be noticed when they're when they're putting in hard work. And and it really feels rewarding when when the coach. Uh, or instructor recognizes that and and can knows your name and can can push you a little bit more it it makes you want to come back to that and so when people don't invest the time in that they're just really doing themselves and wherever they work a disservice by not connecting to people that way
0: do you have a trick to remembering people's names
1: oh i'm so terrible at it i look i look (laughs) at i literally
0: i love that after you said it was like your pet peeve you're like oh i'm really bad yeah
1: i really try to work on it because i have this fear that I'm gonna say the wrong name, so sometimes, sometimes I I, I avoid saying it. Um, but but what's good is that we use uh, at FRC we use mind body, and so I can pull up the roster on my phone. And so what I'll try to do is, I'll um, you know I'll, I'll look through the roster so I recognize at least names, and then as you start to coach more, you get to see people more regularly, so you you know. All right, well, I don't know this person, and so if I look at the roster, I think yeah, that's that's their name, and so by process of elimination kind of thing. <laughs> um, at FRC pre pre-COVID, we would make people write their names by their treadmills or by their workout stations, so that was super helpful. Oh, okay. Um, so so yeah, actually having people write down their name by where they're standing is was was helpful too. Um, and then at SolidCore, I used to I used to write like a list of 1 through 14 and then I would put the person's name on which machine they were on so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't forget. Um, and, and, um, that that was a little bit helpful. So yeah, writing down and and looking at the roster, but yeah, I don't, uh, I always think of uh, the episode in the office where Michael Scott, he has like these weird mnemonics for remembering people's names of associating with like the the weirdest thing, like if their first letter of their first name and connecting it that way, I, I don't I don't have the brain capacity to to connect all that. So I just I just keep it
0: simple. I love it. <clears throat> I love it. Um yeah, I think that was that was a um twenty twenty uh New Year's resolution of mine was to get better at knowing people's names. And then well now I guess it's just pivoted to just trying to survive twenty twenty. But uh, <laughs> that was definitely a early twenty twenty goal of mine was to get better at people's names. And it's definitely something like when you're out like in a group setting, like when I'm doing a workshop, you're teaching a your class, like getting to know everybody's names and, and making them all feel connected. Like this is like part of an experience. Like we're all friends here, we're all connected here. I think it's, it's really uh, important that, that we don't do enough of that, I think, and making people feel welcome. I like here at District CrossFit, um, one of the coaches, he does this like game where he just like, when someone's new, he'll, he'll learn their name and then he'll be like, John, this is Sarah. John this is Kate John this is Mike and like he just keeps saying the person's name over and over and oh, over yeah. again and then it just becomes ingrained in his head that this is John and I was like I was like, wow that's, that's pretty smart like I never realized I thought he was just like being funny and like introducing people or whatever but then I realized that like, it's actually part of his like way to actually memorize people's name I was like oh that's pretty smart. And he just, like, kept introducing them over and over and over again. And then even, like, the next class, he'd be like, John, this is so-and-so. John, so. And, like, he learns the person's name, and then this person feels welcome into the community because they're getting introduced to eight other people, nine other people who are in the class as well. So it's like a two-for-one where, like, the person feels welcome, but then also, you know, they learn the name. And it reinforces in the other names, too, because it's like, I have to remember their name. I have to remember their name. I have to remember their name. And so it's like I was like, wow! I was like that's a pretty good way to do it. So something to, I guess.
1: Yeah, I might, about. I might take that. <laughs> I, I I think I was listening to uh, uh the podcast you had with with uh, with Timbo, and he he said how he talked about how embarrassing it feels when you don't remember somebody's name. Yeah. Uh, so that that's another thing to kind of push you to remember somebody's name because when you say like, all right, John, here's here's Katie, and if you uh, or you'll turn to somebody and you don't remember what their name was despite them coming back to your class. It's super embarrassing. So, um, I I'm, I'm guilty of it sometimes where I either both ways, I, I forget their name after them coming to a few classes or, um, I think I know who they were and they say, "Oh yeah, you've taken my class before, right?" And they're like, "No, this is my first time taking your class." And that's that's embarrassing too. So. Just kidding,
0: just kidding. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: like I never met you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was um, and then and then you throw in the fact that now that everyone has to wear a face mask. Oh yeah. Because okay. now you like have to like recognize people by like their eyes. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's it's different times and
1: Now you got to adapt.
0: How um <clears throat> how has uh wearing face masks while you exercise change things?
1: Uh, So it's a little different here on on the Virginia side. So, um, and it's, you know, I'll I'll preface it with, you know, I try not to be super judgy about what people's uh, ideologies about wearing masks are. I think there's so much information data out there that changes constantly that it's hard to keep up with what you should be doing versus what's actually going to prevent uh you or someone else from getting something um but as far as exercising i so when i typically run outdoors i don't wear um wear a mask while running one it's 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 not a requirement yet in Virginia but who knows but right. i try to keep a safe distance from from people so if i'm i, I try to avoid really crowded hours on the trail or go to segments where there's not as many people. So I'll run just kind of like on main roads where there's really not a lot of people running. Um, And then in studio. So the requirement so far is uh, you don't have to wear it while working out. Um, I've tried, tried working out with, with a mask uh, before and other times. And it's uh, I think the key is to just, just be, be nice to yourself about like, hey, this isn't or, or be nice to yourself and also be patient that yes, it may be annoying to wear a mask and uh to, to do all these things. Um and your performance you may not run as fast or you may not um uh perform as well because now your your breathing's restricted. Yeah. And so just to just to be kind to yourself um and be patient with it. It's 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 there for a reason Um, and if it's something so little that that could prevent other people from getting sick then you know just be be a be a good human and 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 follow as it is
0: for the greater good damn it yeah (laughs) but it's
1: it's it's hard right we uh you know i think there's a lot of non uh, mask mask shaming that that's going on and um i think I, I try not to 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 do that, but right when you see somebody just walking around, and and when someone says you, you're supposed to wear it and you don't, it's just like, oh, come on, man. But you know, you get into the situations where you're around other people, um, like with family or friends, and then somehow it it uh like you know, I'll, I'll use myself for example, I'll put myself out there and say like, you know, when I uh, visit family or family comes visits, yeah, we're not wearing a mask a hundred percent of the time when yep. we're together, but in reality right if you're really a good steward about everything even if you're wearing a mask indoors with other people you still should be six feet apart from each other so you get people that have all right well i'm gonna wear a mask but you know we're, we're gonna go uh we're gonna go out to a restaurant together and then right your mask comes off and we're, we're hanging out and so it's it's hard to you know some people shame others and then when it though when it applies to them they they start to uh you know fudge the rules a little bit so it 's really hard to uh, yeah uh, uh, to to have a perspective on it so just just be patient with yourself and with others um, and if you don 't truly feel comfortable with being in the environment where either they they don 't have mass or you feel like people are getting too close to you then don 't put yourself in that situation yeah um, I think when people when they go to fitness uh, studios or work out with groups of people there 's this sort of risk you're taking on of now you're putting yourself in an environment surrounded by other people and that yes maybe everybody's going to try to wash their hands or or even wear a mask but that's not going to be the end all solution you could wear the mask uh, you could you could do whatever you need to do but there's still an inherent risk you have of contracting even not just uh,
0: coronavirus anything really right sure yeah um so there's that risk yeah, I, I think this is probably a conversation that we could have for like another hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, what what TV shows are you watching these days? Ooh, TV
1: shows. Um, it's a lot of a lot of Netflix and Disney Plus, um, and and Hulu. I um, oof. I've been watching a lot of movies more, but TV okay. shows uh, and series. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, I just finished a couple uh, like two weeks ago mcmillions uh oh, yeah? it's a documentary on hbo this group of people who um who who rigged the M- mcdonald's monopoly game for like i don't know god knows how many years yeah also, so that was pretty cool that was like a mini series um uh, yeah not not many tv shows it's just mostly yeah on netflix watching old movies like did you right watch now? hamilton oh yeah Definitely. It took, it took, it, it I, I couldn't get through it in one viewing because uh, I would get sleepy on some parts. But man, afterwards, just, I, I love the soundtrack.
0: So you love it. Okay. So my, my last guest last week, he had nothing but bad things to say about it. And his, his, his reason was the, 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 the rapping was not good. He did not like the rapping. And I, I had, I haven't seen it yet. Um, so I didn't have an opinion, but he was, Defiant after hearing nothing but good things for years about Hamilton. He then came on and told me that he did not like it So I was like this is gonna be something I'm gonna start asking everybody that comes on <laughs> And so you are pro Hamilton.
1: I'm pro Hamilton. I uh the songs are even even the, like just all the songs uh, uh, it, They're so catchy just like any um Musical the, right. the songs just get stuck in your head. You're like, huh <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean obviously they're they're not like all I mean, these people got to sing, dance, and memorize lines and say, so hey, he, he, hey, you, you, don't you knock can't it. be an expert in, in everything. But exactly. um, yeah, I mean, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But um, I, I enjoyed it a lot.
0: What um, what book are you reading? Or what was the last book you read?
1: Uh, so, <laughs> and, and my wife uh, is puzzled why I do this, but I'm actually reading two books right now. Um, the first one, I always forget the title, but it uh, you know the the Hunger Game series. Yep. They they came out with another book, so I'm finishing up that one. I forget what the title is, but I'm almost done with that. And then um, you know, with the, with the whole uh, Black Lives Black Lives Matter stuff going on right now, um, I picked up How to Be an Anti Racist. Nice. Um, and that's that's been a really good um, perspective on just the things you do say and the things in society that are happening and that Mm -hmm. you can start to recognize um it's contributing to to what's going on so so that's i i go back and forth between the two (laughs) cool nice it's one like like, one like fiction and then one sort of like real thing it's like it's like watching tv shows right sometimes i feel like watching this kind of show and then another but yeah, I need, to, I need to finish one and then move on to the next. So. Um,
0: all right, so how can the listeners connect with you?
1: Yeah, so two ways uh, on, you know, we're, we're, we're all socially distant right now. So you can follow me on social media. I'm ralphn.fitness on Instagram. Um, or you can come see me at Formula Running Center. And we also have a, a page on Instagram as well at Formula Running Center. Um, so check us out. Come come see me for a, a running class. Your first class is free. Um, the studio is uh, one of its kind. It's a, it's a treadmill-based studio where uh, we have classes that are strictly... Uh, you, you have about 45 to 50 minutes on the treadmill for, for our run classes. We have split classes, your, tr- your tread and train. So you do strength workouts, spend some time on the treadmill, um, or you do specific train classes, which are just straight up Um, body weight dumbbell trx bosu ball exercises uh for the entire class so lots of stuff for everybody um we also do have recovery services there so um if you're familiar with the norma compression sleeves uh you know science is out there on 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 all these recovery therapies how much they really help but we have that we have the infrared sauna uh our cryo um uh our cryo chambers back up and running Uh, so we yeah. So um, I've actually never done it before. So I'm, I'm curious to try it. So we've got different things. So the studio is really focused on training you as, as an athlete, as a runner uh, to improve uh, your, your, uh, your ability to run and improve your performance as well as provide you with those recovery services. Um, and so check us out there. I'm, I'm there um, scattered throughout the week. So, so, so see me on the schedule. Um, and then, your first class is free so we, we offer right now a hey. free free class and free recovery session so nice. if you're interested um we, we keep socially distant in this in this physically distant in this time um so if you have any questions yeah check out the gram uh for formula running center or check me out at ralph and is
0: nice all right well ralph thanks for uh coming on man and uh we're definitely gonna have to do this again
1: I yeah appreciate it, it mike man. yeah i'll see you all soon right.
0: talk to you soon Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to Rehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.